0: The U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Gold. Months ago, it would have seemed impossible, but today, it's true. The Washington Spirit are NWSL champions. The Spirit beat the Chicago Red Stars 2-1 on Saturday in the championship game, with Kelly O'Hara's header in Extra Time making the difference and giving the Spirit their first ever NWSL title. On today's episode of All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show, we're going to break down the championship game in Louisville, we're going to continue to look at Trinity Rodman and her emergence as a bona fide superstar, and discuss the Spirit's chances of building a league power for years to come. And because it is the NWSL this year, we also have to discuss more troubling allegations against an NWSL coach. This time it was Red Stars coach Rory Dames who was implicated, and he resigned right after the title game. My name is Seth Fratelni, and joining me as ever is Goals Women's Soccer Correspondent Amy Ruskay. Amy, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to to diving into this game and, and talking about the Spirits run through the second half of the season and what they could potentially accomplish in the years to come. Uh, they have a, a really young nucleus. That If they don't get broken up, well, it looks like they could be a, a league power for years to come. Uh, let's, let's get into the game a little bit, though, uh, because it was, a, it was a pretty even contest going up until halftime. And then right before the half, uh, the Red Stars got a killer goal with a header from Rachel Hill to take the lead. Uh, It kind of seemed like that was going to be a tough one to recover from from the spirit just because of the amount of momentum that that gave the Red Stars heading into the break. But, you know, the Red Stars, again, suffered a couple of injuries during the game. You know, we we saw this happen in the semifinal as well, uh, losing some key players to injury in the first half with Kalia Watt. Um, And then Mallory Pugh and Vanessa DiBernardo both went down in the first half with injuries uh, for Chicago in the championship game. And, and in the second half, you know, that really started to, to show as the spirit to control the game.
1: Yeah, I think um, the fact that they, they had to take off Mal Pugh, having already, um, having already lost clear one in the, the semifinal, I think when you're 1-0 up and you're trying to kind of build on that, and the other teams try to get back into it to not have that kind of outlet and pew like kind of the outlet that Rodman was for the spirit that you just give her the ball and you can just move up the field like um, I think to take that away when they already had you know they were already missing key players that was um, that was pretty damning and yeah it was a shame for the Red Stars and um, a shame for Mal Pew as well
0: yeah and you know we talked about last week too like they were already missing some key players to longer-term injuries in in Julie Ertz and and Alyssa Nair. They lost Watt last week. Um, They lost Kruger, who wasn't ready to go for the final. And so you're you're talking about a really depleted team. And so as that second half went on, um, you could just see more and more the Spirit taking control, and the Red Stars were down to their second string squad, some backups to backups. And, and I think the spirit, you know, in the, in the second half, they, they outshot Chicago, like 15 to one or 16 to one or something like that. Um, So when they got the equalizing goal midway through the half, it was definitely no less than they deserved. You know, Andy Sullivan, she stepped up, wasn't a great penalty, but uh, it got through Cassie Miller uh, to tie up the game. Uh, And then you know, as, as you go into extra time, I think for Chicago, their mindset was probably let's hold on and try to try to get to penalties. But, um, you know, five minutes into the extra time period, Trinity Rodman, who had been fantastic all game, you know, we'll talk about her a little bit more, but she had been trying to take on players down the wing and doing it successfully many, many times. But this time she looked up and she picked out a cross and, and Kelly O'Hara made a great run to the back post, got her head on it and finishes. And, and from there, you know, the Spirit hold on and, and win the championship.
1: Yeah, and there's a massive save from Bledsoe right at the end for the Spirit as well, um, which is definitely worth highlighting because, you know, Trinity Robin, um definitely won a lot of plaudits after this game and rightly so and after the season. But that save from Bledsoe is massive and, you know, keeps... You know, I might go to penalties, the Spirit might win anyway, but definitely wins them the um, the game in, in extra time.
0: Yeah, she, she didn't have quite as much to do in this game as she had in previous playoff games, especially the uh, playoff opener against North Carolina. But yeah, one more huge save from Bledsoe, who prior to the game won the Goalkeeper of the Year award, um, which is her second straight because she won it in 2019 as well, and there wasn't one in 2020. Bledsoe, she's only 30. Uh, she's she's been around for a while, but has several good years ahead of her. And and when you're talking about that conversation of of, of players behind Alyssa Nayer that next group who are looking to to battle for the backup position and potentially to succeed, Nayer eventually, you know, I know Bledsoe didn't called up, didn't get called up for these. These games against Australia, but um, the way she's been playing in the NWSL, she she has to be right in the mix heading forward.
1: I think what's difficult about that kind of goalkeeping area for the U.S. and national team is just how many good goalkeepers there are. Like it's kind of, it's it's kind of harsh because obviously there will be good goalkeepers in the NWSL for many many years that you know just won't get that cap. They won't get the international call up because the talent in or that position for the U.S. is, um, yeah, it's mad. There are so many good players, but she definitely deserves a shot. I I absolutely agree with that.
0: Yeah. You know, last week we we talked about Trinity Rodman and we talked about how we didn't necessarily want to hype her up too much because she's still just a teenager. But after that performance, I I feel like we just have to hype her up even more because it was just apparent all game that – she was by far the most dangerous attacking player. Every time she got the ball, she seemed to do the right thing with it, whether it was take a player on, whether it was calm down and, and keep possession, whether it was was play across. Uh, you know, she had one moment in the second half where she beat a player and cut in and had a, a rocket of a shot from about 25 out that that hit the post. This wasn't a surprise because anybody who's been watching Trinity Rodman this year knows how good she is. Uh, but I think it was even more impressive to see her do it on this stage in the championship game. Um, and it, it just makes you wonder, like, how good can she be? Where is her ceiling? Does she have a ceiling? Uh, because to, to do what she can do as a teenager right now is is something really rare.
1: Yeah, and we said, well, I said last week that um, you know the one thing the Chicago Red Stars kind of had going into this this game was a lot of experience um, of finals and losing finals, and you know how that you know could be a little bit of a, a motivating thing, and wondered how the young players like Rodman, like Sanchez, how they would you know fare in this game, how they would take to this absolutely massive game at such a young stage, and honestly, the way that she just went into it, did Rodman like? you know absolutely fearless and like i think she actually she said something um around the final i can't remember if it was after or or before where she was talking about um kind of her emotions and that kind of of her development and where she is at the moment being so young like her emotions are still quite raw on the pitch but like you know you couldn't see any nerves or anything like that in a game and that was mad and the her energy completely changed the game like she literally just changed the game um like the way that she was taking half all them shots in the second half when what do you say like 15 16 shots they had she must have had like six or seven she was she was just constantly trying to to make things happen whether it be like for herself to get on the score sheet or to, to give the assist as she did in the end yeah and
0: in the in the post game press conference um Chris Ward the spirit coach as well as O'Hara and and Rodman were asked about what this team can become in the future. It's kind of crazy to be having this conversation right now because a few months ago, the Spirit were just kind of a playoff contender type team that were struggling to, to make the postseason and weren't quite sure what the, the future held for them. But now you look at this team, they're, they're the NWSL champions, and they have a, a core that are all in their 20s some of them in their early 20s rodman's 19 and you look ahead and you say can this be a league power for years to come because we talked about rodman and sanchez getting call-ups to the national team ashley hatch got a call up to the national team these are all players in their early 20s or teens when it comes to Rodman, Andy Sullivan, still only 25, despite the fact it seems like she's been around forever. Emily Sonnet, 27. Sam Staub is 24. You know, th- this is the team that has like a really, really solid young core. There, there were only two players over 30 that started the game against Chicago. And one of them's Aubrey Bledsoe, who's 30. Uh, the other one's Kelly O'Hara, who seems like if she stays healthy, she can be a solid player for years to come. And you just have to wonder what the ceiling of this team is moving forward.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where the expansion draft is going to be really interesting um, because obviously they, they've got O'Hara, they've got Sonny, and they've got Sullivan, and they can only protect one. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who they choose to protect there. Um, but, yeah, like you say, the, the the young core that they have, it just means that, um, I mean, what what also be interesting is the coach. Do you know, do does Chris Ward keep it? Or do they kind of be like, right, okay, you know, you you've done really well, but you know, maybe for the long term, do you know, is there somebody else out there that they want instead? Um, you'd think that Ward definitely deserves a shot at. Yeah, I, think... I
0: don't know how he couldn't keep it at this point. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I mean, in terms of like the long term, to put him in charge of this, you know, long term project, it's gonna be quite interesting because he's not really, you know, had any experience before this. I don't think has he. So, um, that'll be interesting to see how it kind of shapes moving forward.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, like, I think they, they've they played well enough under Ward for a long enough period of time that it has to be more than just the new coach bounce, right? Like, yeah, uh, clearly there was some, some kind of a weight lifted off their shoulders when Burke left, and you could say, well, they would have put together a a few good games under anyone but like this is an extended run now for several months like clearly Ward has figured out some kind of a formula
1: yeah and they seem to respond to him really well as well so I mean it'd be really interesting really good opportunity for him um, you know, to to get off to this kind of flying start, and to if you know they're going to put him in this position from a long term perspective, to have that young core to work with and see what he can do with it, it'd been a very exciting job as a coach to be like, look, you know, here are all these amazing talented young players. You're in charge of them. Go build something cool. So, um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think about the expansion draft? Who who do you think they they will protect? Out of those three
0: yeah that that is really the wild card here not just for the Spirit but for every team you know you can only protect nine players going into the expansion draft you know it's a double expansion draft with two new teams coming in and you can only protect one U.S. allocated player which obviously will affect some teams more than others uh, the Spirit have three as you mentioned O'Hara Sonnet and Sullivan um, you know we've seen teams have the option of, of doing some trading to avoid having to expose multiple allocated players to the draft. Um, you know, that's certainly an option for the spirit. I mean, if it comes down to the draft and they haven't made any trades and they have to only protect one of those three, um, my guess would be Sullivan would be the player they protect. Um, she's kind of been the, the the heart and soul of this team for so many years um and you know at 25 she has so many good years ahead of her she seems to really be starting to establish herself more with the national team but yeah like you said um that that is a a, a looming threat for the spirit and any other team who are looking to to build something moving forward
1: yeah I'd agree with you on that I think um I think if it does come down to it you you don't want to protect Sullivan really just kind of her position like not only on the pitch, but kind of what she brings off it, um, I think is really important to this team. But I definitely, I mean, the drafts are, I'm excited for the draft because the drafts were always crazy. Um, so that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, the, the, the off season seems like it never truly happens because here we are, the The final just ended and already in, in less than a month, we're going to be having an expansion draft and we're going to be having a college draft as well. And, and you know, after that, you know, there's only about a month or two until preseason camp starts all over. So it, it, it never really ends. The wheel's always turning. Football never sleeps. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. women's soccer news and opinion on goal. We do have to talk about Chicago as well. Um, Again, more troubling allegations that that, that came out after this final. You know, we wanted to talk about what comes next for Chicago because they've, they've lost three consecutive finals. You know, there's the 2019 NWSL Championship the 2020 challenge cup and now the championship this year. And we want to talk about on the field stuff, but unfortunately uh, as has been the case so many times this year in the NWSL, we had some, some pretty troubling allegations uh, come out in the days that followed the, the championship game Um, the day after the game a press release comes out at 1 a.m. Eastern saying that Red Stars head coach Rory Dames had resigned. Um, That was a little fishy in and of itself. Um, There also was not a quote from anyone other than Dames. There was a quote uh, also that was not attributed to any person. It was attributed to the Chicago Red Stars. So that also raised a couple of eyebrows and because of everything that's happened in the league this year, late night press release, odd attribution on the quote, everybody started speculating what this meant about Rory Dames and, and, you know, sure enough, the next day, there is a huge report in the Washington post uh, about some really Troubling behavior that Dames is alleged to have undertaken during his spell with the team. Um, Multiple players quoted on the record, including Kristen Press of the U.S. national team. And, you know, once again, we head into the offseason with some some real questions, uh, not only about how the league has handled some of these allegations over the years because several players went to the league several players even went to u.s soccer and it just seems like it 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 never ends and it just is showing more and more that this needs to be a full house cleaning the tree needs to be dragged up by the roots and it's just such a, a troubling situation
1: yeah and i think again it comes to that thing of like you know something being reported people you know filing complaints and nothing being done um you know there are you know there are people in this uh in the report on the post players that kind of wanted to tell their story but were literally never contacted like by people that were investigating it so they say um so it's just it got it's groundhog day isn't it like it's the same stuff like somebody files a complaint and nothing gets done about it and then several years later it comes up and then you think well if you'd have done something about it several years ago do you know imagine how many less people would have been affected and it's the same thing and it's interesting that you know obviously the NWSL has really come under fire this year for this kind of thing but this is you know talking about US soccer as well Um, so yeah, I know that the Red Star said they're doing an independent review, but there's no word on whether they'll release, um, kind of the findings of that publicly. Hopefully, you know some of these, some of these reviews do get kind of shared in a public view so that people can um, can see the findings because that's been another frustrating thing um, about this year. But yeah, Groundhog Day.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I think what's what's a little different about this particular story is how much it seems to implicate U.S. soccer. Uh, the, some of these other allegations against coaches in the league were reported to the league, and it, it's become clear that the league itself has not done enough, the teams have not done enough to protect these players. But this goes straight up to the top of, of U.S. soccer, who, of course, had been kind of helping administer the league up until this year. Um, so they're an active participant in running the NWSL and press said in this story, she spoke to then U S soccer president, Sunil Gulati back in 2014 about dames. Um, and again, it's like this, this incredible amount of time passed between the first time that something was reported and when any action was actually taken. It's so reminiscent of, of Paul Riley, because, you know, uh, players reported some of the things that he was accused of back in 2015 and it wasn't until this year. So now we're talking about 2014, even longer. And in the meantime, like people knew, like, people knew about what this guy was alleged to have done. And it takes up until 2021, up until a report in the Washington Post. You I know, mean, let's, let's not forget that these have all come out only after some really excellent journalistic work uncovered what was going on. Like these, these weren't changes that were enacted by the institutions themselves. They had to be forced into this. Um, and then, you know, in, in 2018, there was a formal complaint filed with U.S. Soccer. There was there was some kind of an investigation, and we we don't really know what what happened. But two instances, 2014 and then 2018, where U.S. Soccer was first told about it. And then U.S. Soccer actually had an in, an investigation that they did, and and yet we haven't heard anything about what happened with the investigation. And and in the meantime, Rory Dames continued coaching the Red Stars for several years.
1: Yeah, I think it, the interesting thing that stood out for me in the report, um, I mean, first of all, press spoke up about Dames. Literally, it was her first year at the red stars like this wasn't like a something that she noticed like several years down the line something that she noticed straight away kind of in her first season and straight away recognized like needed to complain about it um and the damning thing that i read it says press who said she had been told she needed to play in the nwsl to keep her spot on the national team said she felt she had no choice but to return the next season like if you're gonna make players stay in the league you know make it a safe place to be so like make them feel comfortable you know it's it's, that kind of thing is you know that was a bit rubbish to read to be honest in in the report the the fact that you kind of and you know it's kind of throughout the thing it's it's feeling like you're you're a little bit stuck and you know in past um the the Paul Riley stuff just kind of like feeling like you you don't really have a choice you don't really have a choice but to feel kind of uncomfortable where you work and stuff and that's Quite a sad thing to think about, to be honest. I think now what
0: I'm really interested in is this investigation that U.S. Soccer is now doing. That was announced back in early October after the allegations against Paul Riley came out. Um, you know, we spoke about this in the sh- on the show then about how Sally Yates is running this particular invest- investigation, and she brings a lot of credibility because she is formerly the deputy attorney general of the United States, you know, the nation's second highest ranking law enforcement official and U S soccer retained her. And everybody said, okay, like this is, this is now serious. We're really going to get to the bottom of this now. Um, but like we mentioned, I don't think U S soccer itself had been so directly implicated in some of these allegations until this story about Rory Dames. And you wonder, you know, of course, Yates is going to be able to lead an independent investigation, but you just wonder where where the investigation is going to go and who it's going to touch. And if it does implicate some people that are currently with U.S. soccer, you know, we talked about Sunil Galati, the former president, you know, it's it would be, you know, easy to say that, it was Sunil Gulati's fault, and he's no longer there, so no action needs to be taken. But uh, you wonder what, what would happen in this investigation if it does turn out that, that people currently with U.S. soccer have some kind of blame.
1: Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting as well is that the results and the kind of findings of this investigation are going to be made public, so we do know that we're going to be able to see what, it's led to because a lot of investigations have opened this year and we're like oh do you know it would be interesting to see what comes out of that and then you know it's like yeah it's been investigated but we're not going to tell you anything that's been found so um yeah and I think it'd be interesting if the Red Stars do kind of release their independent review that will be intriguing but at least we do know with the US soccer one that there is going to be some transparency there which will be a step in the right direction after a lack of transparency for quite a while
0: yeah and with the red stars investigation and the u.s soccer investigation i think they definitely need to look into what happened with the red stars owner arnim whistler because according to the washington post story he was aware in 2018 about the u.s soccer investigation against dames and dame stayed for another three years
1: again groundhog day
0: yeah when you take a step back and look at the situation with coaches in this league right now it really is kind of mind blowing um 9 of the 10 and current NWSL teams have changed coaches since June uh it doesn't seem real and yet it's true uh, you know not all of them were because of instances of uh, allegations against the coaches, but many of them were, you have five male NWSL coaches accused of misconduct this year. And, and you're left with the situation where Casey Stoney is actually the second longest serving head coach in the NWSL and San Diego has not even played a game in the league yet. Um, I mean, it's been a, it's been a, a year of huge turnover in the league at the coaching level. And yet, you know, as we've mentioned previously on the show, that a lot of these stories that have alleged misconduct against coaches implicate way more than just the coaches themselves. And, you know, it'll be really interesting to see moving forward uh, who, if any other authority figures are, are forced out or forced to, to account for, some of the things that they have or have not done in these, in these instances.
1: Yeah. And I think, you you know, you said like, we never really have an off season because of the, the drafts, but now we've got all these investigations going on. We've got all this kind of like, you know, there are all these coaching hires to be done. You've got all the kind of unrest, you know, among the higher ups at some of these clubs Um I think now that the kind of football's stopped, like, there's going to be even more kind of focus on, right, okay, well, what are you doing? Are you doing something that can, you know, undo or um, at least take account for, you know, the kind of... what you have done and, and let people come into roles at clubs and knowing that they have complaints and things like that. Um, so I think that, yeah, now the kind of football has stopped, there's no sort of distraction for um, for people... They they're gonna want answers from from the clubs whether they're fans whether you know they're fans of specific clubs whether they're fans of the league, people want answers and you know it's not just fans it's players it's it's everybody involved and so yeah now the football stopped I think there'll be a lot more of a kind of magnifying glass on that because it's like right well you know we're in the off season (laughs) um you know what are you doing
0: it was very NWSL twenty twenty one to have this championship game and it seemed like the talk around all of the off-field issues had, had died down a little bit leading into the game where we could just talk about what was going on on the field. And then there was the game, and it was a great game. And no less than 24 hours later, here we are talking about another off-field scandal. Um, very NWSL 2021.
1: Absolutely. and Like you said, the, the Casey Stoney thing, I saw that on Twitter and I thought it was a joke. I genuinely thought it was just like somebody messing about. And I I looked it up and double checked on everything. I was like, oh my god, like this is actually real. Like I think that just perfectly sums up the kind of year it has been.
0: Yeah, and it will be really interesting to see what happens in in the off season going forward. Now, like you said, we we don't have the games to talk about, so we can kind of fully focus on on what's going on off the field. And of course, there's going to be. Uh, some drafts to talk about as well that that does touch on on-field stuff but but really uh, it's going to be a, a really crucial few months for the league to try to start to, to get its house in order a little bit and uh, we will definitely be following that. We will also be following the U.S. national team friendlies uh, at the end of November and we'll be talking about those on the show moving forward as well. Uh, so I think we will wrap it up there for this week. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. And as a reminder, subscribe, rate, follow wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate reviews. We appreciate you listening. And we will talk to you all again next week. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal.